We live in an impatient world. Wouldn't you agree? Can we all just kind of admit that? We live in an impatient world. Our world needs more patience. I mean, my world needs more patience. I, I stopped the microwave with two seconds left. Anyone else do that? How impatient is that? Okay. If I'm in a line with more than one person, man, I pull out my phone immediately because I can't stand to just stand there for more than a person or two. Uh, if a web page, if that, if that takes more than like a few seconds to load, I'm gone. I'm off to the next story. I don't even waste time with that. And, and you know, and if, if Pofo, my wife Pofo, if I ask her a question and she starts talking about something else, I'm pretty quick to like sharply ask my question again and be like, you're not answering my question. And I get pretty sharp because I get impatient. And I think my guess is that you have some spots in your life where you probably get a little impatient too. So before we get too deep, I want to define patience. So we're all on the same term, okay? One of the definitions that, that I found that I kind of liked was this idea of enduring discomfort or delay without complaining. Okay? That's a pretty decent definition of patience. Enduring discomfort or delay without complaining. Another way to think of it, it's simply the ability to wait for anything. <laughs> How is your ability to wait? But probably my favorite definition that I, I found uh, researching for this sermon was this one, that patience is the quality you, ooh, is that me? Okay, they're, they're working on that. Just flow, pretend this sounds awesome and I don't sound creepy at all, okay? So patience is the quality you admire in the driver behind you but can't stand in the driver in front of you, okay? So if you're an impatient driver, you, you get that joke, okay? So how, how patient are you? How patient are you? How is your ability to wait? Can you endure discomfort or delay without complaining? How long does it take you before you start tapping your feet and getting anxious, okay? So how patient are you? Well, here are some signs that you might be a little impatient. Okay? When you go to a store and you stand in line, and if you're in a long line, do you immediately start looking at the other lines and start thinking, okay, I think that one's moving faster. Does that, does that one have one less person? And, and then you switch lines. Okay, if you've ever switched lines more than two times, you are an impatient person. Okay? You need to listen up today. Or maybe when you're driving. Okay? Do you switch lanes because the other one is going faster? And you are absolutely convinced that that one's faster. And then you switch back because the, the, now the old lane is going faster. Is that you? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Um, how about do you pull out your phone at the slightest hint of boredom? At the slightest hint of boredom, whew, pulling out your phone, doing something. Okay. Or how about that slow coworker or that slow family member? Do you start get really frustrated at them? No matter what they're doing, they just seem to be moving at snail's pace. You're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay? Is that you? Might be impatient. Maybe do you snap at your kids when they're dragging their feet or not getting dressed and throwing clothes around and you snap and be like, come on, come on, we need to get going. Okay? Or how about this? You're, you're watching TV, TV or the movie gets boring, so you pull out your phone while you're watching TV. Okay, have you ever done that? So you start, or, or the commercial comes on, you pull out your phone, and then your phone starts to stall, so you pull out your tablet, you're watching three screens at once, 
okay? If that's you, if you've ever watched three screens at once, you might be a little impatient, okay? Any of this sound like your life? I, I think so. I think we live in an impatient world and we live impatient lives, okay? So how do we deal with this impatience that we all share? What do we do with it? Well, thankfully, we don't have to come up with these ideas ourselves. There's actually one, we're going to look today at one, probably the most famous story of impatience in the whole Bible. It's a great one. It's in the Old Testament. It's at the beginning of what's called the monarchy period, which means it's the beginning of the time when the Israelites started to have a king. So it's after the Exodus, Moses, let my people go, desert, all of that. It's after that, but before King David, if you know King David and, and his reign and his son Solomon. So it's in between these two periods. And it's out of the book of 1 Samuel. And, and today's story actually spans about four chapters. And so we're, we're going to summarize some of it, and then I'm gonna, I'll, we'll read together some of it. Um, but so this, this story that we're going to read covers about one week. It covers seven days. In the life of two main people, a guy by the name of Saul, who became Israel's first king, and then the key religious leader, back then they were called prophets, and this was the prophet Samuel, who, after whom the book was named. So we've got Saul, the king, the very soon-to-be king, and then Samuel, the prophet, the religious leader, and every king had a prophet, it was kind of like he was God's representative for the king, and they worked together. So, so that's, that's how this got started. So the way, the way this story, particularly this begins in 1 Samuel 9. We're going to read in a few more chapters, but this begins with Samuel anointing Saul to be king. You can kind of think of that like an inauguration. We just had an inauguration, and that's, that's kind of what, so Samuel inaugurated Saul into kingship. And then, and then a week goes by. During that week, an Israelite town is attacked by one of the neighboring enemies called the Ammonites. Saul, being the new king, had to be like, okay, let's get this done. He got together an army, and he beat the Ammonites. And the Ammonites ran off. So, first victory, woohoo! Well, there was another enemy that made the Ammonites look like chump change. And these were the Philistines. They had one of the best armies, the most brutal armies of anywhere in the Middle East at that time. And the, the Philistines started to gather an army. And they had an army that was considerably larger than the Israelites. Like 10 times larger. And the Israelites knew it. The Israelites were just a little clan of people. The Philistines were this monster army. So they knew they were on their way to getting crushed. And that's where our story picks up. So when Samuel anointed Saul, he gave, them, he gave him some instructions. And one of the commands that Samuel received from God and he gave to Saul, one of them was to go down to this city called Gilgal, which was about 20 miles away, 20 miles about northeast of Jerusalem. So if you picture the Middle East, kind of picture Israel, Jerusalem, about 20 miles northeast of that. Go to the city Gilgal and wait 
wait seven days there. And then Samuel would come and then offer sacrifices to God. There, there, there are some certain offerings and sacrifices that, that Samuel was going to do to bless Saul's efforts. So that's the context. So now, seven days later, Saul is now at Gilgal, and he's been waiting. And that's where we pick up the story. So we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 13, if you want to read along in your Bible, on your phone, or on the screen. It's 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 5. So again, 1 Samuel 13, starting with verse 5. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up to camp at Michmash, east of beth Aven. That was just a neighboring city from this place, Gilgal. It's all kind of in the same region. Okay, so th they're camping up at Michmash and amassing an army. This is like Lord of the Rings scope of army. So here you go. So they're, they're getting ready for battle. Let's see next. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Those are like water wells, cisterns. Uh, some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. That means they tucked tail and ran. They had east. They're, they're out of there. And now remember, Saul, excuse me, Samuel commanded Saul to go to the city Gilgal, wait seven days, and then Samuel would come and make the offerings to God. That was his command. Let's see what happens. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all of the troops with him were quaking with fear. Okay, pay attention to that. We wait, he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. Okay, so Saul's army is fleeing because they are afraid. And, and, and that... They're beginning to lose confidence. They're beginning to lose confidence in Saul's leadership. And they're, they're heading out. They're going AWOL. And this gives us our first principle, our first idea of impatience. And it's this. Impatience begins with fear. Impatience begins with fear. Saul was afraid. He was afraid he was going to lose his army. But more importantly, he was afraid he was going to lose respect. He was going to lose face. He was maybe even going to lose his kingship. I mean, he was brand new. If he fails at this, who's to say they're not going to kick him out? Saul was afraid. And every time you're impatient, every time I'm impatient, we are afraid of something. We are afraid of being late. We are afraid of not being in control of the situation around us. We're afraid of being judged. Every time, every time we are impatient, we are afraid of something. Okay. Now, see, and, and that's really important because what happens when we are afraid of something, we start doing things to fix our fear because we don't like being afraid. Saul did the same thing see what happens next. So he said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. 
Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. Now remember, Saul was the one who was supposed to make those offerings. Saul as the high priest, excuse me, Samuel. Samuel was the one. Samuel was the high priest. He was the prophet of God. He was the one. And he, he received from God the command to give to Saul explicitly, go there and wait. And Saul was afraid. So he made the offerings himself. He disobeyed Samuel's command. He disobeyed God. And that gives us the second part of impatience. Impatience begins with fear, but it grows into disobedience. It begins with fear, but it grows into disobedience. Saul directly disobeyed God's command. He reacted in disobedience. And we all do that. When we start to get uh, impatient, first, we fear. We're afraid of something. And then next, if we don't deal with that fear in that moment, it leads to disobedience, disobeying God. We get angry. We get judgmental. We get prideful. We get selfish. We start flying other drivers the one-finger salute. We do all of those things that are disobeying God's command for God's followers. That, and that's what happens. Impatience begins with fear, but it grows into disobedience. And that's exactly what Saul did. He disobeyed. Well, let's hear Samuel's response. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him the ruler of his people. That's a reference to King David, by the way, if you might recognize that. Uh, Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Saul disobeyed a direct command from God. And the consequences of Saul's disobedience was was severe. He had his kingship taken away. Now, it wasn't immediate. Saul continued to be king. But really, what the the punishment, if you heard, it wasn't that Saul was going to get deposed right then. It was God had intended to have Saul and his lineage rule as kings over Israel forever. But God said, you disobeyed me. I'm going to take that away. And now that gives our third big principle about impatience. Impatience begins with fear. It grows into disobedience. And it ends in losing out on God's blessing. 
it ends in losing out on God's blessing. That's what happened with Saul. The tragedy of this is his disobedience led to him losing his family's, his lineage of kingship over Israel. And Saul was the last of his line to be king. And that's, that's, the, that's the tragedy of this. And that's the tragedy of all disobedience when we disobey God, when we sin, is that God has blessings. God wants to bless you. That's where the, the prosperity preachers have it correct. God wants to bless you, but he will not when we are walking in disobedience, when we are disobeying his words. He will withhold his blessings. God's love is unconditional. That's really important to understand. God's love for you is unconditional. No matter what you do, no matter what you will ever do, God will never love you less. God's love is unconditional. God's blessing is absolutely conditional. God never promises unconditional blessing. All throughout Scripture, God's blessing, God's protection, God's favor, all of that is conditional on obedience. And so that's, that's why impatience actually is a pretty big deal. Because impatience begins with fear. It grows into disobedience. And it ends with losing out on God's blessing. That's what happened to Saul. And so Saul's actually, it's a very, he's a very tragic figure in Scripture. We watch him um, that he lost his kingship, because not because of his impatience, okay? He, that, the consequence wasn't because he was impatient. The consequence was because he was disobedient. And that's why there's hope for us when we are impatient. Because God does not punish impatience. He does not withdraw blessing because of impatience. But remember that impatience begins with fear, it grows into disobedience, and then it ends in losing out on God's blessing. So if we can catch this, this impatience process early, we can avoid the tragedy of Saul. Because for him, his impatience cost him dearly. And the same thing for us. It's the same thing for us. So if that's true, how can we be more patient? How can we have more patience in our lives? How can we live out this virtue that God wants for us and our world really needs? Well, ironically, the antidote, the antidote to, um, to impatience isn't patience. Now, you think that's what it would be. You expect me to come here and say, be more patient, okay? That's way too simplistic, oversimplified here. Instead, the, the antidote to impatience is actually trust in God. Let me explain this. Because every time we are impatient, we don't trust God. Saul didn't trust that Samuel would be there when he said he would be there. He, he let fear start driving. I call it start driving the bus. When you start letting fear drive the bus, 
you're going to go places you don't want to go. That's what happened with Saul. His fear started driving the bus. His trust in God took a back seat. The same thing happens for us. When we're impatient, fundamentally, we are not trusting God over whatever the situation. Whatever the situation is, there's a peace that we're not trusting God. And you want to know the, the dead giveaway that we're not trusting God? We take things into our own hands. We take situations into our own hands. We take people into our own hands, metaphorically and sometimes physically. Okay? We take things into our own hands because the situation is not coming out the way we want it to, and we don't trust God that he's really for us and with us. So we say, I've got to be the one to get this under control. So some of you, some of you simply need to confess, not your impatience. First, confess your lack of trust in God. And you know, we're going to be doing a couple worship songs here like we usually do, and that's a great time to say, God, I am sorry. I, I, I don't trust you. It's a great time to confess. Lord, forgive me. It'll be a great time for, to confess that. So that's for some of you. Now, for, for all of us, what do we do? The next time you're impatient, I want to give you, give you a model, a different model to follow. So next time you're impatient, and for you, maybe that'll come later this week. Heck, some of you might not even get home until you start getting impatient. You might not even get out the door before you start getting impatient. Here's what you, can, what you should do. First, first, pay attention to what you're afraid of. Pay attention to what you're afraid of. Are you afraid of being late? Are you afraid of not being the one in control of things? Are you afraid what someone will say if you get here at this time versus that time? Pay attention to what you're afraid of. Because here's the thing. If you can pray for God, take away my fear, protect me from fear, remove my fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. God is a fear-destroying God. He wants to free you of your fear. So if you can pray at that point, you've just broken this cycle. You've just broken the progression. Because it begins with fear that grows into disobedience. So you want to know what to do before you get to the disobedience stage? <laughs> Pay attention to your fear. Say, God, forgive me. God, clear, clear this fear out of me. I don't want to be afraid. You promise us not to be afraid. So pray that. You stop the fear before it leads to disobedience. Because when we disobey, we hurt ourselves, we hurt the people around us, we hurt our families, and we hurt our relationship with God. So catch yourself, pay attention to what you're afraid of. Whether you're in the store, whether you're at work, whether you're here at church trying to get out to the car and your whole family is who knows where. But pay attention to what you're afraid of because God wants to bless you. God wants to protect you. God wants to provide for you. And when we disobey, he pulls back from his blessing, not his love or his presence, but his blessing. So I want to close by, by uh, reading a quote out of a, a great article on patience from Relevant Magazine. So here it is. 
You don't wake up one morning and decide to be patient, and then bam, you're patient. It's a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, continual process. It requires daily devotion in order to develop a habit that will produce a lifestyle of patience. If you make an effort each day in the little things to exercise patience, then you'll become a more patient person one week from now, one month from now, one year from now. And it will all seem effortless in your life. I want to be a church full of effortlessly patient people. Wouldn't that be great? Where we can be patient naturally. And it's effortlessly. Patient with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with that annoying coworker, with the driver in front of you. Imagine being patient effortlessly with them. It begins each day begins each day pay attention to what you're afraid of because if you can have you can seek God's healing of the fear you'll avoid the disobedience and you'll avoid God's withdrawing his blessing they and missing out on God's blessing join me in prayer God we seek to be patient because you are patient Heavenly Father you are patient beyond measure undeservingly so you are patient with us when we turn away from you when we disobey when we rebel when we take things into our own hands you are patient with us lord so it's upon that patience that we seek we rest we put ourselves desiring that patience with one another Lord, so give us hearts of patience. Give us an effortless patience with all the people, with all the family around us. God, let us be people that stand out among our worlds, in our workplaces, in our our larger families, in our clans. Let us stand out as patient people to help give this world what you desire to give to it through us. So thank you. Lord, I thank you that you love us, not for anything that we do, but exactly for who we are, your children. I pray this in your name. Amen.